Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we run through this week in racing and preview next week. In the studio tonight is Mr. Seth Eggert from Motorsports Tribune, Richard Uden from Aru's Engineering, Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing. How is everybody tonight? Doing good. Thank you. I want to introduce to you our guest. I have with us Derek DeBoer. Drives the number 17 Porsche Cayman for the Racers Group in the Pirelli Challenge GT4 America Series. And he's also the star of Fast Life, which is a reality television program that airs on Amazon Prime. Derek, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing tonight? Well, thanks a lot for having me. I'm uh, I'm doing good. I'm with you guys, and uh, we're going to talk about racing. So there's, there's nothing I'd rather be doing. So first off, let's talk about your 2019 season. Uh, you've uh, You guys have run at COTA. Uh, you're running the Sprint X class, which uh, means you have a couple of co-drivers. Your teammates are Jim Rappaport, Dr. Jim Rappaport, and Sean Gibbons. You are with the racing group, and that's Kevin Buckler's team. And you've been with them for several years now. I believe 2013 is when you first uh, signed on with the team. And um, and, and you've come back. So uh, tell me a little bit about the team dynamic there and, uh, and how, uh, you know, how nice it feels to have that same opportunity again and again year after year. Yeah, I really have to pinch myself each morning when I wake up because there's there's not a finer endurance racing team in the world, I don't think. And to have met them back when I did in 2013 and be starting my sixth season with them is something I'm I'm really proud of to have that, you know, uh, just level of trust and belief in each other. And it's 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 really just become like a family. And, you know, clearly things are clicking. They, they, they keep letting me come back. So I'm in. <laughs> now, you've. um. You've done a couple of weather tech starts. You know, we get a lot of drivers on the program, and a lot of the the stories are the same when we ask, how did you get into racing? And so, like, you know, my dad bought me a shifter cart when I was six, and then I was on the road to racing. But you, now, you do come from a racing family, but you didn't make the plunge to uh, really, you know, set your career sights on being a professional race car driver until much later in life. Do you, do you think that that's hurt, hurt you, helped you, or... Yeah, my path is definitely a, a little bit different than most, and and honestly, it wouldn't I wouldn't be here if my wife hadn't asked me one simple question one night while we were while we were laying in bed. She said, "What passion do you want to chase in your life that I've not heard about yet?" And I said, "Well, I've always wanted to be a professional race car driver." And she was surprised; she'd never heard that. She said, "Well, then that sounds like something we need to chase." And that was that was 20 years ago. I hadn't set foot in a race car. And she signed me up for a, a three-day Skip Barber Formula Dodge racing school. And that was really where it began. I certainly grew up looking up to the sport. You know, I, I followed racing. I didn't follow football, baseball, basketball. You know, my, my heroes were the Danny Sullivans and the Mario Andretti's. And certainly looked up to my dad as well, who was a drag racer. So I got to follow him around a bit on the drag racing circuit. Speaking of your wife now, she's a... Uh you know, asked you to, to chase your dream, right? 
Now her dream is to be a filmmaker. And now we've, we have this wonderful television program uh, that, that airs on Amazon called fast life. Uh, and it's, it provides, I've, I've watched uh, all of season one, half of season two, which just dropped recently. Um, but it provides a very intimate look at, at, uh, at your guys' life. I mean, you, we, we can see everything from, from the, you know, the joy of winning um, the Austin Martin festival at Le Mans to the, the, the fear and the anxiety about uh, uh, you know, a sponsor who's um, you know, defaulted on the payment. So, and I've talked to some other folks that have worked in reality television. And one of the things that I, uh, a recurring theme is that sometimes they feel just exposed because their whole life is out there and they run into perfect strangers who just feel like they know them. Have you had any, any experience like that where, where it's, it's, it's been a bit uncomfortable or, or has it been all mainly positive? We have had some of that and it was, it's hard to get used to. And it was also hard for a while to get used to just the camera rolling all the time. There was some comfort in it in that it was Brooke filming. And I always knew that if there was something that, that shouldn't be aired, she would probably err on that side of caution. Although she's really just kind of put it all out there. But yeah, there've been moments where you bump into somebody on the street in, in New York city and they, they know who you are or what you've, you've done or even just recently you know I'll, I'll walk into a place of business and somebody goes did you purchase the white shoes or the black shoes and i'm like what are you talking about and it was you know something that my wife had shared on her on her face you know fast life story or something like that they didn't know we were being watched but um it it really has been awesome and it's been a, a really neat project and it's been rewarding to see her getting to do what she loves on the side of what I'm doing that I love so much. And the fact that she kind of gave me that gift to chase this dream, there's, there's not really a better combination. I don't think. No, I mean, when, when you really look at it, it's actually very inspirational. How many folks, you know, you know, out there that have these dreams that they haven't, you know, kind of pounced on and, and, you know, both of you are making that happen. Seth, you have a question? Yes, I do. Uh, as you uh, mentioned, Derek, uh, your father was in top ha- alcohol dragsters. I know your grandfather also raised a little bit on dirt. And your wife, uh, when you said you wanted to follow your dream, your wife bought you a three-day Skip Barber uh, test, essentially. How do you find your way into sports car racing? You know, I um, my, my initial path or dreams were to race in an Indy car. I mean, it was all single-seater, open-wheel, formula stuff. And I met a gentleman along the way shortly after my kind of this. I, I'd done the Skip Barber stuff. I did a, a full season of Skip Barber and Formula Dodge. And then I, I ended up talking my way into a, into a test in Formula Renault when the two-liter cars were coming over here to North America. It was literally, I think I had done one Skip Barber race at that point in time, so I was, I was probably some, jumping into something well over my head. But uh, Pierre Phillips was the gentleman who was running this this program in the Northwest and, you know, turns out to have been a, a pretty large influence and in, in lots of open-wheel guys' experience. And uh, he just always told me, he said, Derek, stay, stay in these single-seaters as long as you can. Keep learning as much in this as you can because you're going to be really fast when you make the transition to a sports car. So I just I, I stayed with it as long as I could, but it became very clear that seats and opportunities were becoming very limited, you know, unless you had a really, really large checkbook or or the right last name behind you. And 
and the type of the sport that came with that. You know, I was I was racing with uh, with Marco Andretti and in Formula Renault and some of these guys, and it was really clear when I saw them just instantly move on to IndyCar, and I had no type of budget or ability to get there that I needed to look on the other side of the fence and started looking at sports car. You know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, at that point in time, there's fields of 75 cars starting the Daytona, you know, the 24 hours of Daytona and three or four drivers a car. And I'm like, the odds look a lot better on that side of the fence of finding one of those seats. Speaking of the 24 hours of Daytona, uh, going back to 2015, uh, I believe one of your co-drivers was Elio uh, Salazar, a Formula One driver, IndyCar driver, and I'm sure some of your other co-drivers have also competed in Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR, etc. Have you ever uh, tried to use any of those connections to do a one-off in another series, whether it's IndyCar, NASCAR, etc.? You know, I, I probably haven't leveraged that as good as I could. And certainly, you know, those types of things are just things that become normal when you're when you're dealing with Kevin Buckler and TRG. He just keeps putting you with people and opportunities that I, I think I would have never met along the way. I mean, what, what a treat to get to have shared a car with LSAO and my first uh, 24 hour Daytona experience couldn't have, have really been better than, than uh, what we experienced there. And what kinds of stories have you shared with some of your co-drivers uh, that you can share with us anyway? Uh just some of these stories I can imagine, whether it's a Formula One, IndyCar, et cetera. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, now having been with the team for, for six seasons, I've kind of been one of the regular fixtures there. So I get a chance to to kind of work with the, the revolving door of drivers that, that happens, you know, today in endurance sports cars. So I, I have had a lot of amazing experiences with a, with a whole handful of different guys and, you know, the, the things that we get to do together, you know, even even off of the racetrack, you know, uh, these, it's one of the things I love about racing is there's just such a group of passionate people that are in the sport with similar drive in the other parts of their lives. So almost every time you meet a race car driver, there's something else awesome tied to them. And uh, it just ended up with with handfuls of, of awesome, awesome buddies off the track. Great. You said you had some questions. Yeah, Derek, uh, t- for our listeners, tell us about the Pirelli World World Challenge. Tell us about the uh, the series and, and, and the class that you run in. Yeah, so Pirelli World Challenge is where I got my feet wet with TRG. My first race ever with them was uh, Pirelli World Challenge um, at their home track, uh, Sonoma Raceway in, in Sonoma, California. And I've mainly ran in the GT4 class. So GT4 is uh, classification cars. They're um, more close to a production car than a GT3 car. You know, almost every manufacturer now that's involved in racing is producing a GT3 car as well as a GT4 car. Um, you know, they, they look like a car that you can go uh, buy on the showroom floor. And I think that's part of what makes Pirelli World Challenge so relevant for the fans. You know, we've got people that are able to watch cars go bang doors together that they're aspiring to own, you know, whether it's a an Aston Martin or Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, BMWs, you know, Chevy Camaros and Ford Mustangs. It's all all out there together. So the series has uh, changed quite a lot, you know, since I first started driving in 2013. You know, at that point in time, it was multi-class racing. We had two classes. We had GT3 cars and GT4 cars on the track at the same time. 
then moved to splitting those up. And then the Sprint X uh, you know, concept has come along, which is World Challenge's version of endurance racing. It's a two-driver format with a 10-minute window in the middle of the race where we're required to make a pit stop and a driver change. You know, I've always enjoyed endurance racing. I like the team concept of it, sharing a car with the driver, the driver change. All that is a really important part of sports car racing to me. So to have that format in World Challenge, I think, has been a real success. And I've seen the the field growing, the the talent in the field growing, the, the competition is, is better than it's ever been. And, um, you know, it's a it's a really, really great series to be involved with. Typically, how many uh, how many uh, cars are in a, in, in a, a typical field uh, for a race? You know, I pro- probably in the thirty to thirty thirty to forty car fields would be pretty normal. That that's 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 a sign of a healthy series. Um, looking at your schedule, you're going to be in our neck of the woods in uh, late April. You're going to race at Virginia International Raceway up in uh, up in Danville, Virginia, which is uh from from richard and seth and i just you know a uh, little over an hour drive um tell us about that event and uh what we can expect from that well you might have to come out and say hi first of all well, yeah we'll have to do that we're all yeah. about in person but um yeah i'm excited to get back to virginia um last year was actually the first time that my schedule took me there and, you know, it, it's just one of those those epic uh, and historic tracks that, that still exist here in the U.S. That, that every driver's wanted to get their hands on. Um, you know, my event there last year didn't didn't really end that well. I ended up in a in an incident and uh, totaled, totaled a Porsche going backwards into a wall at about 130. Um, of course, it wasn't my fault. You know, I mean, <laughs> Any driver can uh, come up with a list of excuses that completely um, takes us off the hook. But um, so that's where I left off at VIR. So I'm excited to go go pick up again and have a successful weekend. It's definitely a track that um, our new Porsche Cayman should do really well at. So your races are typically timed timed events. How long are they? They are. They're a one hour long race. I mean, we typically have. Race. We'll always have two two events per weekend. So okay, so you'll have well Saturday, Saturday and a Sunday. Is is that typically how it goes? Yes, typically that's that's the routine. And and what other what other series will be sharing uh, the weekend with you at at VIR? You know, I I believe at VIR will be a program uh, within World Challenge. There there are so many other things going on. We have uh, the, the the TC and TCR class that'll be racing. We have the GT4 class. Um, and then there's the GT3 class. Sounds like a terrific ra- uh, weekend for, for race fans. It's for sure. And, you know, one of the, the other attributes is how relevant and accessible it is for the fans. You know, I don't know many other racing series where, you know, with just with a general admission ticket, you, you can get right into our garage area. You can come right up into the, the, the areas of the team and touch and feel the cars and talk to the drivers and team owners and just really immersive and awesome experience. Well, I tell you what, you've got me got me uh, interested. I may have to take a trip up there that Saturday. Well, we'll uh, swap some information. We'll make sure we uh, get you in there and taken care of, and come come enjoy a weekend with, with us at TRG. Well, we appreciate that. We'll look forward to that. All right, now Richard, do you like to chime in? Yeah. Hey, Derek, how's it going? Very good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I, I always 
interested by the mentality of race drivers, and I, I, I read a lot of, of biography uh, biographies on the racing drivers and the makeup of a of a race car driver. And you know, I think one of the things that you you probably um, see more in your series is you interact with a lot of drivers, and you know, you have a lot of teammates that you race with, and you you race against a lot of drivers out there. And and one of the big things that a race driver has is a lot of confidence, but have you ever been in a situation, whether it be with a teammate or a competitor following them round, and you've been, ah, that's, he's too good for me. I can't do that. You know, that guy's on another level to me. You know, I I think as a race car driver, you you put yourself in a mode where where you don't go there. You find it motivating yeah. when you when you surround yourself with with people that are better than you and it, and it ups your game. I, I think that's part of what I really love about it. I love to be around a competitor that's got something figured out that I don't, and I can strategically try to try to learn from him or her and, and apply it. And, and if it works well, find a way by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. again, it's, you know, there's no reason why you can't do the same thing that they're doing. You know, we're all in theory, we're all human. We all have, you know, two arms and two feet in most cases and, and, you know, can do a pretty damn good job with it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what sets people apart from each other and the mentality that they choose to, to, to sort of, um, you know, distinguish the two. But, um, one thing I always like to ask drivers and, you know, you read again, you, you read a lot of these books and you read about some of the drivers, but have you ever found yourself, I, I guess what some drivers and what athletes call in the zone, where you're almost like you're driving in an almost like a subconscious method. Absolutely. I, I think that's part of what happens in, in race car driving or really in any extreme sport, mm -hmm. you know, any sport where there's some healthy level of fear involved. I think your, your brain shifts modes where you're not a hundred percent aware of everything that's going on. And, and I think that's when you get into that zone and those are the, drivers or athletes that that have have that you know from the outside looking in ability to like flip a switch and somehow yeah. be at 102 percent you you're not sure how how they got there and if you ask them they're not sure how they got there either it, it just kind of happened yeah i mean there's the, the famous case of Ayrton center i think it was monaco in the 80s where he actually stopped the car because he was you know, he said he wasn't in control of the car. He wasn't, you know, he didn't feel like he was driving the car. I mean, I, I certainly don't get that, you know, driving to work every morning. There's plenty of times where I'd like to stop the car on the side of the road and not carry on, but uh, probably for different reasons there. <laughs> Absolutely. There's actually a really interesting book that I've read that kind of addresses that whole concept. It's called The, the Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. And he's done this whole you know, study of extreme athletes and, how they're able to tap into that. Yeah, I've, I've always been interested with endurance racing when you've got to rely on teammates for the stints where you're not in the car. Um, you know, and, and occasionally you'll see a thing where, um, uh, you, know, you know, one guy gets the car into the lead and then the next guy gets in there and absolutely, uh, you know, dumps the car in, in, into the gravel trap. Um, you know, so there has to be a level of trust between teammates, but how, how nail-biting is it you know, knowing that you've driven a good stint to turn that over. Um, and I, I mean, I mean, do you like, you know, watch or do you just, just maybe just like, like set back and say, let me just see what happens. It definitely can be nail biting. And that's, you know, where, you know, I've been very thankful being as close with Kevin Buckler and with TRG as I have been, because he, 
doesn't tend to put you in a bad situation. You know, there was even that year where we had, you know, uh, the lineup for, for, for Daytona was not coming together. We needed some more guys. And I know there was a, a million guys standing there that could have just, just paid and bought a seat, but he wasn't willing to put them in the car. He wanted to make sure that, you know, between me and Max Riddle and, and LSAO, we had a team where everybody could rely on, on everyone. I think also race car drivers are pretty realistic. Yeah, it's hugely frustrating to see the positions go backwards or to see an incident, but we also realize it could happen to us just the same. Um, so we're always trying to support our teammates and do the best that we can. I think it's also become, you know, especially with the, the way that the rules currently are, that there's very clear roles expected from drivers. You know, with multi-driver racing now, there's, you know, you, you depending on the series, right, you may have a gold driver and a bronze driver paired. You know, the, the bronze driver knows he's not supposed to be as fast as the gold. He's just supposed to make really good decisions, keep the car in the lead lap and clean and, and hand it on over. And, and when he does that, he's going to get really great praise from the team and the other driver. So it's, uh, you know, just a matter of, of trusting your teammates and trusting your team owner and doing what's what's in your box. You know, uh, sometimes what's uh, behind door number one is, uh, is, is just perfect and you're better off not looking behind door number two. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what exactly is the process from, like, say, moving up from a bronze driver to a silver driver? Is it, is it, is it uh, just, just laps run or, or does it have to do with results? Um, it has to do with results and, and with age as well. And I, I, I'm not positive that age where you just kind of automatically can become and stay a bronze, but, um, you know, basically if you haven't won a, a championship or a major series, you're going to remain a bronze and maybe a silver. Um, you know, I've been lucky to stay where I am. I've, I've won some professional races. I've won a team championship, haven't won an individual championship. I've been runner up a few times. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've been able to stay at bronze, which has been beneficial with the way that the rules are, uh, this year. So it's, it's really just, it, it's up to the FIA and the people there that are looking at that stuff. Is there a, any kind of process in place where somebody can protest their ranking and say, no, I need to be better or I need to be, or you're putting me in, in unfamiliar territory or is it, or is it just, you just, you know, what, what, you know, FIA say goes. Yeah, there there is a, a protest process that you can do, um, but like I said, in my case, I'm uh, certainly happy to to be a, a bronze, and my goal is to be the the fastest, most professional bronze that you can be. Big big fish in a small pond. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Last year, Derek, you attended your first Indy 500, if I remember correctly. Um, are there any other uh, marquee races that you have plans to attend, whether as a fan or maybe in a dream one day as a driver? I very badly want to find myself back in the in the 24-hour Daytona. That's one of my very favorite events, and I, I really want to have a chance to go win one of those watches. As a driver, I also would like to be back to Le Mans. Um, if you guys followed uh, Fast Life at all, you, you saw that I did get to race there in the Aston Martin Festival and, and got to taste victory there, but I'd, I'd really like to do it in, in the big 24-hour race. And uh, Spa is another one that I, I really would uh, like to get to. Have you have you had an opportunity to run at uh, at Sebring? 
Um, not at the 12 hour. I've, I've had some, some other events there. I actually, uh, when I was running, uh, back with Skip Barber in Formula Dodge, that was first national level, uh, Barber Dodge events. And, um, I've always enjoyed that track with TRG. We've done lots of events and testing there and, uh, yeah, I would, would love to find myself in the 12 hour, you know, in a, in a perfect world. I'd, I'd eventually like to have a whole crack at the four race uh, North American endurance championship. That's on the, that's on the list of things to do and a, and a goal that I'm putting out there for sure. Well, good. Derek, uh, let the fans know how they can keep up with you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we love to interact with the fans by the way. So we, Love for them to track us down. And uh, DerekDeBoerRacing.com is a personal website. It has all the, the links to all of our social media. But probably the easiest is FastLife.tv. Um, it's got links to to the Amazon Prime channels for, for seasons one and season two. And it's got all of our social media handles, um, both for me and my wife, who's also got a blog that she's she's running now. And... and uh, we're all on there so that's that's the best way and we love hearing feedback we love getting uh you know comments on on the amazon prime channel and and all that so i i i welcome that and it kind of keeps us going everything's not always as bright and rosy as it looks this is a a difficult path to go down and there's lots of hurdles some uh some high fives and support here and there help a great deal just checked your Twitter, uh, your Twitter feed. So that's uh, got a lot of information on it as well. Absolutely, Derek. Before before we let you go, I want you to uh, t- take a few moments and plug your sponsors because that because that's oh. it. We all know how important that is in racing. I know uh, Adobe Wineries is one of them. Yeah, what a great one, TRG. I just keep joking that I'm like a kid. Lets me drive these amazing race cars, and he's got this awesome winery too. So we get to enjoy lots of good. Adobe Road wine on the side. So um, with that, you know, we, uh, you know, part of my life is in the automotive world too. So we've got some partners that uh, that both make life easier in the dealership and they also help us out on the racetrack. And that's uh, Pastime GPS and uh, a data system from Auto Lead Star. They're really, really great partners. Derek DeBoer drives the number 17 Porsche Cayman for the Racers Group in the Pirelli Challenge GT4 America Series, and he's also the star of Fast Life. We're, we're going to go to a commercial break right now. Driver Circus on Hoobazoo Radio. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 